When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for a special episode for today, April the 7th, 2022. Marks the six-month anniversary since the Saudi-led consortium bought Newcastle United from Mike Ashley. Six months from that massive party that started outside St. James's Park. It's been a period of time of ups and downs, but Newcastle United are now in a relatively comfortable position and more importantly, with owners who have an ambition, a desire to take Newcastle United to the very top of the Premier League. I'm Andrew Musgrove, and today I'm joined by Emil Franchi from True Faith, Sam Mulner from Newcastle Fans TV, and Thomas Concannon from the Newcastle United Supporters Trust and War Flags. We look back on the last few months of the new ownership, we rate just how well they've done, the mistakes they've made and hopefully learned from, and what's to come at Newcastle United. It's an exciting time to cover Newcastle, an even more exciting time to support the club. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast, the takeover six months on. This is Emil Franchi from True Faith's fanzine podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, I am Sam Mulliner from Newcastle Fans TV. I'm Thomas Concannon, uh, part of the War Flags fan group and also the Newcastle United Supporters Trust Vice Chair. First off then, Emil, we'll come to you first. It is six months since the Newcastle United takeover was complete. It seemed to take forever, I think, given it was the Wolves game prior to the deal being complete, which I know Sam was down in down in the away end, the feeling of the, the fans, you know, in the days leading up to the takeover was was not a good place. Lots of apathy and it just felt like people were going to games out of tradition. Just sum up your feelings to towards the club at the point, the days before the takeover was complete. Well, it, it just felt as though it was as bad as it was ever going to get. That, that was, you know, so many people talk about that Wolves game. I'm, I'm sure Sam... We'll be able to fill us in a little bit more, but the feeling around that was very much like, what's the point? What is the point in going to the match anymore? I'll still go because it's part of my weekend. I like doing it. We obviously do content for it, but ultimately, where is the enjoyment coming from? Where is the light at the end of the tunnel that they were so desperately seeking? Um, it just seems so weird that that it came at that time. Um, poetic, if you like, that that it came at, at a moment where Newcastle fans were simply lost uh, as to where to to look next. Um, yeah, just desperate. Desperate was the the word I would use. It wasn't a good time to be a Newcastle fan, and it, it's strange that that was this season. Yeah, when when the highlight of your day is seeing Jeff Hendrick nestle one in the bottom corner, you know you're never really onto a winning thing, <laughs> isn't it? So. Look, this, I mean, we were we went in at half time at one one, if, if you remember, and it. But we never looked like winning the game. We were hanging on, and we were carved open by uh, by Huang on on more than the two occasions when he scored. Um, I remember standing outside Molyneux in the pouring rain um, with my my co-host Johnny, um, and I'll never forget one of the YouTube comments. Uh, 
we had that my face looked as though I was ready to punch a puppy. But um, <laughs> that that was that was I gave it a like. Um, that was the last game before a takeover. When the takeover, if you remember, it was going into an international break. The takeover was wasn't even mentioned. We never knew it was round the corner. Um, and like Emil said earlier, it, it's hard to believe that not only was it this season, it was it was only six months ago. Oh, I was at Wolves that day, and it was one of the worst. I mean, Wolves is a bad away end anyway, but it was one of the worst away ends I've been in in a while because there was it was so much apathy. No one really cared anymore. Um, it was just the same sort of excuses from the management as to why we'd lost the game. It was a pretty much a carbon copy statement um, from Steve Bruce at the time. And there was just so much apathy in inside the away end. We came away from the stadium with, with my friends. We got back in the car and it was the quietest journey home that we've ever had. Normally, you can still have a laugh, but I think we, we'd sort of resigned ourselves at that point almost to relegation. I think we just couldn't see any hope. We we had no hope whatsoever. We were flat anyway. The fact that we didn't feel like the takeover was going through, there was no news on it. And then all of a sudden, it just it just broke out of nowhere, and 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 it took took everyone by surprise. I think, but definitely leading up to it, we hadn't won a game. We barely had a point, and it was just um, it yeah, it was just an awful time to be a Newcastle fan. There was just no hope whatsoever. So to go from that to the to um. Obviously, the takeover happening within a week, it was just uh, yeah, spectacular. Emil, when you heard the news about whatever deal had been struck between the, the two countries and you know things had, 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 had quietened down from where they were because things were very, very volatile, did you feel uh, things were going to happen as, as quickly as they did? Really hard to say. Um, I remember I'd come out of the hairdressers, check my phone, and you know that something's brewing when journalists that have previously just, you know, give given every uh, negative comment to, towards it as it as it kind of you know the fire went out in those in those stages of 2020. Um, but yeah, when you when you start seeing all the journalists just very quickly going in in the opposite direction, it was it was strange. It was like a domino effect. Uh, one by one, each thing happens. Saying right, yeah, that's it. This this will happen. This is going to happen in the next 24 hours. I know that that was what we got told at the original point. When when TV were reporting it and everything like that, but I mean, it, it was it was so good to to have how quick it, it it was in the end because of how long we'd waited for it. It was just like the polar opposite of all of that waiting we'd done in the first case. But by no means expected it to go that quick because, as we always said, you know what what were fans to know. I mean, even what what were journalists to to know uh, about the the inner workings of what was going on with owners and directors test with with all of these geopolitical uh, geopolitical matters? It, it was just like no one could possibly say exactly what was going to happen. But um, just thankful that it was as quick as it was because I don't think I could have hung on for another day as I as I quickly started scrolling through Twitter and and uh, drove away from the hairdressers, unable to try and like look at me. I was like, oh god, I, I can't put it down. It was it was just so exciting. Of course, because of the build up as well to that week, everyone's attention had been on the cat case, Sam, where it was a preliminary hearing. It was the most watched stream that the tribunal had ever had. And then a date had been set for the start of 2022. And 
that was what everyone was looking forward to. It wasn't the January transfer window. It wasn't the games coming up before the date that had been set, which I think was the 3rd of January. It was the start of this case. And then literally six, seven days later, Newcastle had been taken over, not just by any group, but the richest group in the world. It, it, it's When you say that, it, when I say that, to me, it still doesn't seem no. real in many ways. No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound right at all. Um, we all still had Hamza Chaudhry in our thoughts, and whether we can get the loan deal over the line. But um, yeah, I mean, only at Newcastle will you have thirty thousand fans tuning in for a cat case. When I saw the the story uh, break on Twitter about the piracy issues being resolved. Whether it was just me being a bit thick or maybe I'd just given up all hope, but I just saw it and went, oh, good for them, and carried on scrolling. <laughs> I, I didn't think anything of it because that I, I'd, I'd kind of moved on. I obviously always had the hope of something would happen with cat cases and tribunals and arbitration. and But I, by two years of this, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I just wanted it to wake up one morning and it's pretty much done. And, and in the end, crazily, that's that's what happened. And it, uh, it's, it is surreal to think about it. Obviously, there's still work to do to stay up this season. But if we do, then we're on the cusp of something really exciting again. And given Newcastle's position in the table, the way they'd performed, you look at the squad, the manager... Do you think it was a, a bit of a gamble from the owners to 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 still go through with this deal? Because they would have looked at it and, you, I mean, we can see what has probably led them to completing the deal was just the belief, the hope that they are the right people to turn the club around. Most potential owners would have looked at that and thought, well, maybe we wait until they're safe, we revisit it next summer. I guess it just reaffirms how much they really wanted this deal. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was just about to say something similar to what you just said there about it, you know, reaffirming how much they wanted the football club. Um, yes, it was a gamble. I think they would probably admit that. Um, but, you know, it, having it go through at that time was definitely what we need. What we needed as a football club. We, and that was It was kind of our only hope of survival. I think they, they maybe banked on the lift that it would have given the whole city. Um, and And... I think that's kind of proved eventually. You know, it it has it has given everyone a lift. The the fans have been behind the team, so it was definitely a gamble. I think they'd probably admit themselves that they would like to they'd like to have had the, like a full summer. Let's say you know, had they taken over in June or July, um, before the take um, before the season started, obviously you know then. But it didn't happen for whatever reason. Um, it just it does it reaffirms what they want how much they wanted the football club and and that means the world to the fans you know the, the fact that they still push through with it and that's why the fans response has just been incredible and that's why we've stayed behind the team throughout obviously some bad results which continued after the takeover which finally saw we saw a turn sort of as the new year new year hit in and and we haven't really looked back we've 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 got ourselves in an incredible position to really get out of what was a a horrendous position so much so I even said myself we needed a miracle to stay up and it almost feels like we were given it and, and it, you know hopefully we just finish the job now let's talk from the trust's perspective you know they did a lot in you know the build-up to this sale you know you met with Richard Masters and asked him a few questions about the process about you know why the why initially the top flight 
rejected the deal. You're one of the very few groups to actually get in front of them and ask them those important questions. You ran polls, you know, gathering just how the feeling was amongst the fan base. I think, it, am I right in thinking it was 94% were in favour of the takeover? It might have been a little bit high. I'm sure you'll correct us if, I, if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, just, just, I mean, just tell me from, from the trust's kind of point of, uh, point of view, what the feeling was when that that that, that deal went through and, and and how it's been since again a, a, a lot of relief i think because there was a lot of stress i would say on on the trust to to almost do something about the takeover that we had no power over that was a, that was a big problem um that we had and and obviously when we when i got in front of richard masters you know we put questions to him and and you know questioning as to why the takeover wasn't going through you know, why why had it hit a crossroads and and there just seemed to be no way no way out of out of the predicament that we found ourselves in as a football club and the one thing that we always fought for was transparency right from the very beginning we needed to know what was happening with our football club and we weren't being told and that was that was one of the biggest things that we tried to fight for even up until about the week before the takeover went through i had another meeting with richard masters and and it was the same conversation again we don't know what's happening with our football club we need some transparency on what's going on Needless to say, he obviously knew in the background that something was going on, and and he never let on in that meeting. But it was, you know, we still tried to we still try to fight that corner throughout because we needed to know as a fan base because it wasn't healthy. It was killing the football club. It was killing the fan base. People were walking away. People were done, and it just it wasn't it wasn't great to be a part of as a fan, um, and certainly not as a, as a fan organisation. You know, we lobbied as as you, as you pointed out. We it was ninety seven point six percent of our membership wanted wanted the takeover to go through. Which was just an incredible amount of people that wanted this takeover to succeed, and, and just it showed the strength of feeling that you know the 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 sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for where where people are they put so much faith in this ownership they 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 just trusted them that they were the they were the future of this football club and they can take us on to the to the you know different realms that we've never quite been in. So it definitely, as a supporter organisation, it was. Um, it was it was an incredibly tough time, but one that when it eventually went through was just just absolutely incredible. Do you think the process that this deal took, the many months, years it took to to just get a conclusion? Because I, at the point it was it was approved in the days leading up to it, if someone had said to me, "Look, we will get a conclusion right here, right and now," it might not go the way most Newcastle United fans want but we'll know one way or the other and it's done. I probably would have taken that because I think as a reporter and a fan, I was sick of waking up every morning with it, with, with, with bits and bobs coming out. I just wanted a conclusion. So Mike Ashley could maybe move on and find another party that could pass the test. Obviously it did go the way Newcastle United fans wanted in the end, but it's clear there are elements of the Premier League's owners and directors tests, which aren't up to scratch. One of them is the clarity. There's, there's plenty of other issues I think fans feel. Do you think that this deal has changed the landscape in many ways? And while we might have not have seen so far the changes many feel are needed to the test, they will come down the line, or at least we hope they will come at some point. I, I, I think I'd, I'd like to think so. I think the fan-led review into football will, will play a massive part in any sort of owners and directors test going forward. Um, where we'd like to see proper governance, um, you know, introduced into these tests, and it's not determined by financial decisions, and that you know the the, the fan 
voice is heard throughout this because the fan voice wanted this takeover. So you had a willing seller, you had a willing buyer and a willing fan base and it still wasn't allowed to go through purely down to what we probably all think it was fi- was financial decisions. So I think it's definitely something the Premier League were looking into anyway. They were looking to change the owners and directors test before this, this process started. Um, how far they've got on that I, I'm not too sure. I know they've had a an owner's charter and all this sort of stuff that's been in the press and um, some clubs have turned it down. We know which clubs are turning it down um, in terms of the big six or so self-proclaimed big six. Um, so I think there's a long way to go in that process. I, I, I get the feeling that they don't quite know what they want in terms of and, and, and how to fix you know things after this takeover process. I think this is definitely presented the Premier League with a huge challenge because of obviously the the obvious controversy that surrounded this deal um but it's it's definitely one of those I think going forward I would like to see more fan influence and more transparency for the football fans and and just a bigger say for football fans in, in who the club is sold to um you know like I say we 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 campaigned we we wrote legal letters we encouraged people to write to their MP um we spoke to Amanda Staveley throughout throughout the process and it was just one of those that we, we wanted this to go through and we couldn't understand why. So that no fan base should ever, ever have to go through that again. You know, where the, the football club is, is forced into such limbo because of decisions that, well, one of the decisions was taking place in the Middle East, you know, and we're, we're a fan base from Newcastle upon Tyne and we just didn't know what the future of our football club was going to be. So, yeah, there was a, there was a, a massive cloud over it until it went through. Well, that leads us on to October the 7th and everybody woke up and the word was that it would happen that morning. You know, people were expecting it. A very early announcement. I was up at St. James's Park from about half past 10. And I know, Emil, you were up there as well. Some of us had to work. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, there was more journalists and uh, fanzines up there than there were supporters. It gradually started to fill up. And every hour, you had people coming over and saying, What's the latest? What's the latest? And we're all just waiting for that official announcement. And I don't know, Emil, Emil if you remember, it, it got to, um, I think it was it was just before the official announcement came through and the the, the, the ground in front of the Sir Bob Robson statue was absolutely heaving, but there was a sense of nervousness around everybody. And a chap on the opposite side of the road where the, the food bank usually stands shouted, it's done, it's done. And what you had was this really strange moment where all the fans waiting started celebrating and cheering. And you had the group of journalists going, uh, okay, the shares have been transferred, but it's not done yet. Like, what do we do? Do we, do, do we get this now? And then there was the second win where it finally got confirmed. But it was just a, a, a brilliant day. Just talk us through your experience of being outside the ground in the hours before it got confirmed. Yeah, well, annoyingly, I also had to to go to work during that period. You know, it was a kind of a case of like holding on for as long as possible uh, for something to happen, but it didn't. And then, you know, I had to watch from a window, which which uh, luckily could just see that corner. And I was like, I wish I was in there as the flares went up and everything. But yeah, you know, there was, um, I really don't know how to describe it, but if there is a, an event like that um, 
whether it's a, a gig or, or like a, a big football day, there's something in the air. There's like a, there's like a slightest of sounds, which is just like a little whistle and everyone feels like, oh, you know, something's happening here. It got louder as the day went on, let me tell you. Um, by the time we got into like uh, the dark night and walking over there was like a rumble. It, it was like the Maradona film, man. People were, people were flying out of cars and everything, but the day itself... It was, like you say, people were getting a little bit nervous. It was the classic Newcastle thing of saying, oh, I'm, I'm starting to think it's not going to happen, like, you know. And I was like, no, 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 this is, it's going to happen. Like, this time, it feels different. You know, no one's ever been outside the stadium before. Why would so many people be gathering here? Um, I mean, it'd be funny if it didn't happen. After all that, you know, people just all there. It's like, oh, no, the shares didn't transfer properly. But pe people were getting actual, like, quite scared. And I think they were staring in the face another failed attempt um, because of how scarred we all got and our fingers got burnt by the, the first occasion. Um, it was just exciting. And, you know, fans were just mulling around. Uh, probably a lot of people who should have been in school that day, but so what, you know, you want to be there. Um, there was just a great eclectic mix of Newcastle fans. I remember there was a, there was a fan who had actually come over from the States, just so happened to, to be there on that day and i was like wow this is this is incredible for you there was lifelong fans there was fans who um like i say were a little bit younger um and journalists just milling about and i was just like this 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 type of thing doesn't happen it felt like um like you know if, if people are waiting outside for a, a royal wedding or, or something of, of of that size like something is going to happen here but the, the the strangest part was that no one really knew how to react in the end because this is something that Newcastle fans had dreamt of for so long. And then when it happens, it happened at such a, a, a weird time. What was it like 11 minutes past five? Yeah. Um, you know, what, why, why waste any more time? We need to get it out there. And yeah, fan fans just go nuts. And, and like I say, I'm sure we'll get onto the, the later stages of that day when, when things really got going, but that first bit and watching all those, things i don't actually think anyone knew what to do yeah it was an unbelievable moment and just before i get you guys to sum up your feelings in that moment it was confirmed in the moment the club tweeted out the confirmation i'm just going to play this quick clip from uh, some of the, the the footage from down there on that day how are you feeling absolutely i'm on the moon what what's the first thing you want the owners to do Sacks for you, Bruce. How are you feeling? I mean, we've come from work, like, this is the best part of Newcastle ever, hasn't it? We've done it. Oh, you start taking me home. I just don't want to go to work. I want to see you. The deal's been confirmed, Newcastle under new ownership. How are you feeling? Relieved. It's amazing to see Mike Ashley gone. There's uh, there's a lot that we shouldn't ignore about the new owners, but the feeling of getting rid of Mike Ashley right now, that's the big thing. That's what matters right now. We're standing outside St James's Park right now. I'm going to say, I don't know, definitely hundreds of people. The scenes, just describe them. It's, uh, it's, 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 the, it's not like something I've ever seen before. But then I've, I've only really been here since Mike Ashley was the owner. 
so you you know it's there's more and more people arriving all the time there's a lot of noise around just feels like there's some hope back it's incredible Um, well, I'm so happy. I'm, uh, I'm excited to get Mike Ashley out of the club. I'm excited to get Steve Bruce out of the club. Um, I'm only 19, so I've had to put up with this for the majority of my life. Um, it's going to be exciting to see some games being won and a good bit of atmosphere back in the town. I'll never be back, but Mike Ashley's gone, and now it'll be so first place I'm back. How are you feeling now it's gone through? Um, excited, my heart's beating, I've just got all dizzy, too excited. So there we have it. I mean, I love listening back to that. We've done a lot of things I'm proud of on the other things, Black and White podcast, without blowing our own trumpet, but that podcast there, and I'll put it into the, the comments of this show, is one of the favourite things that I've I've managed to, to do because just to just to be able to record that and you know for everyone that was there but of course we've got lots of fans on the other side of the world who were watching through twitter who were you know getting it either through you know maybe your podcast our podcast so to be able to to give them a sense of what was going on was was a real privilege uh sam listening to that i guess especially the guy at the end there he'd been there all day he was he was there before i was an old an old chap with a gray beard Obviously, a lifelong Newcastle fan, he was he was tearing up. He just summed up, I guess, that the feeling for for, for every fan and, and probably including yourself. Uh, absolutely. I mean, what I always used to tell my friends as well, uh, who, like non Newcastle supporters, that those celebrations outside St James's Park they had nothing to do with being bought by the richest people in the world or whatever. This was 14 years of pent-up anger, frustration, sadness, hollowness, so many negative emotions that Mike actually and that rain represented. And to finally be relieved of all of that, that's what them celebrations were about. Nothing to do with who bought us. It wouldn't have made a blind bit of difference. I mean, it just takes me back to me trying to ring everyone I work with to cover my shift so I can get in the car and come up. Um, which I didn't manage to do, unfortunately. But that then, those celebrations just kept on rolling right through the international break and onto the the game at Spurs. And I know we lost, but what a day! What a day that was! Like the the ground was rammed three hours before kickoff. It was like a carnival. It was amazing, and the atmosphere around the place. It was just if you could bottle it and sell it, you'd be an absolute trillionaire. Um, I want that back just a, a million times over. Just only in Newcastle, though, would you get them celebrations for for a takeover. Imagine if we actually won something or did anything of proper note. You'd have to take two weeks off work. Well, that's what it felt like. It felt like a cup win, Emil. When you saw that confirmation come through on your phone, what was your instant reaction? I ran around a bit. I just genuinely ran around a bit, jumped up and down, said get in and, and many expletives. Um, it it was, yeah. I mean, it, we knew it was coming and I think there was that release of it being like, you know, boom. Um, I, I just think it was, like I say, that, 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 that key word, a, a release for lots of emotions, uh, as Sam said everything that that we'd uh lacked was suddenly replaced with with the the hope of of what might come and 
It was it was it lasted. It was palpable up until the um the the first game, the first game back. And I think in a way it's it lasted even so far as the, the first win that we got against Burnley. That 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 novelty of each game being like, Oh, the crowd was great again, the crowd was fantastic, the flags are back, it looks mint, everyone's team photos, it. team photos, yeah. Give me team, team photos, photos when we win a game and getting laughed at by everyone else and other teams just absolutely hating the fact that Newcastle had something that they didn't um a very good time. The uh events later into the night it was it was great for me from a from a from a personal point of view, my my dad came up and, and joined in the celebration. So the moment it got announced, I got to celebrate it with him. And you looked around, you saw other, you know, people getting to do the same with their their loved ones. So it was a really special moment. Ended up in the strawberry and came back. And that's where I met you, Emil, afterwards as well. And, uh, you know, we shared a hug because I think everyone, <laughs> people were just hugging strangers as well. You couldn't quite believe it. You had Sam Fender with, uh, with a bandmate playing the, the saxophone. You had the flags out. It was a real party atmosphere that went long into the night. And and probably, Emil, to, to, to people who don't follow Newcastle United, we may be la- left scratching the heads a little bit. I'm sure. But then, again, I, I reckon, I know Sam says it w- wouldn't be the same at any other club, but I'm sure every other club has their own things. You know, I know that we live in a Newcastle United bubble, especially when we're on Twitter. There is things that will only ever make sense to Newcastle fans. And believe me, there's a lot out there. <laughs> Loads of people would be scratching their head at. So I guess, yeah. Um, but I think, in a way, a lot of fans did, you know, th- there was a lot of, uh, good feeling towards the Newcastle fans getting it, and and uh, you know j- just as much there was a, a lot of ill feeling. Um, I didn't really understand the ill feeling towards the fans for for celebrating. You know, just by being there, for example, I think that every Newcastle fan was allowed at least to have the day to to celebrate what was happening, rather than looking at the bigger picture. You know, there, there was a lot of you know, doing interviews myself, um, the questions quickly went to the thing that we obviously have to consider. But I think that nothing was going to taint that day in particular, nor was it going to taint the Tottenham game. Um, Like you say, when we just gave each other a hug, it was just like a knowing hug um, of being like, you know, this is it. Let's see what happens next. Um, Other fans might look at that and go, it's pathetic, but... You know, I, I think that those fans who think that way probably have a problem with with Newcastle United prior to this takeover going through. So, um, you know, it, it's um, it, it's obviously going to be a tough one to understand just what it means. And you know, I don't want to go down there. Oh, it's not the same routes. You know, you didn't understand. But you know, a lot of the time, I don't think many fans did understand what what went on in the thirteen years. You know, we were constantly told, like, "Well, Mike Ashley's spending money. Newcastle have got a striker. Oh, what what are you complaining about?" And it's like, "Well, you don't you don't understand it, would you? So why would you understand the way we feel now that we've actually got what we wanted?" Hmm. I think Sam mentioned it before. That was important bit that it could have been. I think anybody, any group had come in with it with a with a plan and an ambition, and, and Newcastle fans would have celebrated just as much. It just happens to be a very rich group who have come in. And Emil's mentioned it there, Sam. There are tough questions to be asked. And, and quite uh, early on, uh, well, even before the takeover had gone through, these questions over human rights and, you know, the conditions in Saudi Arabia have been asked and they've been continued to be asked, asked of Eddie Howe, asked of Amanda Stavely. It is important that these questions continue to be asked. And that's probably the best way to shine a light on on the negative things in, in Saudi Arabia. 
How do you think the club have handled that side of things? They've done all they can do, I think. Um hundred percent that the the issues are there to be to be talked about and who knows if we if if this purchase of the club and that can influence some good, some change over over there, then that that's only a positive. Um there's a lot of questions to be asked about a lot of owners in the Premier League, not just Newcastle, like, like around the takeover, like Emil. Usually, what happens if, if if ever Emil's busy, then I usually get asked to do to do some things. So uh, when, when like, I, I, I was asked to do a couple, and then th- th- that was like the the throwaway question at the end that they try and get you with about the human rights. I mean, look, the takeover was only hours old when that was happened, so you kind of straight bat it for now. Just let us have our five minutes of celebrating, and then we'll come to that later. Now the dust has settled, then absolutely. It's important to have these conversations to, to try and influence some, some positive change, and who, who knows what the future holds, but, yeah, they'll never go away. Eddie Howe will always maintain that he's a football manager, not a politician. But at the end of the day... My lasting feeling was, well, I want to hear from Richard Masters. I want to hear from the Premier League. What's suddenly changed? What's this big reason why we've had two years of to and fro and then all of a sudden overnight, okay, fine, crack on. Where where was the explanation from the authorities? That's what I would want to know. Yeah, there's two important points, isn't it? Like, you know, like I say, I think it's always important these questions get asked, but it's not Newcastle United fans' responsibility to lead the charge. You know, when you have got the government and their relationship with Saudi Arabia, when you've got the boxing going over there, when you've got the World Cup yeah. going to Qatar, you know, it's important that Newcastle United fans are part of the conversation, but it's not their sole responsibility. It needs to be, you know, look at the government, for example, you know, they need to lead the charge. Uh, what is your take on it, Emil? Yeah, I mean, obviously, fans can always do better. Um you know, from from being around there on the day, people dressing up and and all that stuff. Uh, you know, interviewed a few people myself, and okay, I guess on that first day that there's a little bit of uh, okay, that's your let off, but just don't do it again. And, and luckily, a lot of that stuff's died down, which I think is good. You know, that was another stick that we were getting beaten with by the media and other fans. Um, but yeah, I mean. Much like what you said, I don't think fans need to do it. Um, we've never had it. This is the strange thing. We've never ever had anything from from the authorities, but we just have to go with it. I don't. I don't really know what other fans and, and the media want Newcastle fans to do. Do they want us to to boycott completely? Um, Manchester City fans, for example, probably been asked the same questions. Um, people getting asked uh, about players going to Qatar for the World Cup. Um, it always seems to fall at the fans because you you know a lot of people just know that the fans aren't going to be able to give a response that is good enough it'll never be good enough you know the amount of times that i've said it will be like oh it's what about re oh it, it, you know just sports washing in action things like that we you know if if it wasn't good then the premier league shouldn't have approved it um and you know i know some fans who have definitely turned their back on it um but it's a shame, really, because it is just going to be there forever. Um, and I think that the, the best thing to do is just take it, consider it, and then, I mean, wait for the next thing. It's it's a sad state of affairs because you know it's coming every single time. Um, it's the only thing that a lot of fans have got now. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the answer is really. <laughs> as I'll start with the trust. It was very difficult when the when the takeover went through. As I said, I was out of the country at the time, so I was unable to to join in with all of the media attention that was being brought to the trust. Obviously, they couldn't get an answer out of the club. So the next the next thing that the the media tried to pick on was the fans expecting them to give answers on a topic that no one had any knowledge about whatsoever. And that's where, and I, I'm still to this day, I, I would say I'm not comfortable discussing it because I'm quite naive in, in, in that sense. You know, I'm not I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm, I'm a volunteer on a support organisation, but, you know, I'm not I'm not deaf. I do hear all, obviously all, like a lot of the concerns. Um, but so I think from the, the support organisation side of things, it, it's been... It was difficult to start with. I'd say it's probably it's died down a little bit now. Obviously, there's still things ticking over a bit. Um, you know, we, we we still hear the regular criticisms of the ownership and and of and of the fan base themselves. But it's just not fair. We're just there to support our football team, as we always have done. For myself, uh, being a season ticket holder for over twenty years, um, you know, many people way longer than that. All of a sudden, that shouldn't just drop because of because of who owns the football club. We're there, we're there to support the team. So whether I'm support part of a support organisation or just a fan with a season ticket or just a fan who doesn't even go and watches on the TV, it's 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 too difficult a subject to to even remotely. Um, I'd feel I'd feel rude almost trying to articulate an argument about the topic. And I, I think the football club have also been faced. I think the the football club probably knew it was going to come. And and you know, um, I dare say Eddie Howe, who gets asked about it quite often, knew probably knew it was going to come. Um, they're just diff- very difficult questions on 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 a topic that is is out of our control. In terms of your other role, then Thomas War Flags returned for the first game of the new year against Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Big River was played over the Tannoy, and, and out came um, a, a lyric from. Jimmy Neal's Big River, and it, I'd be fair to say it's provoked a lot of tears from um, a lot of people in the stands. It was wonderfully done, and every display so far has been done. Just talk us through the decision to return. I, I'm assuming the group chat amongst you guys at War Flags, it was a very, very quick yes, 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 we're going back. No, yeah, there was no question about it. We always said until Ashley was gone. Um you know, I remember the chat on the day. It was it just went wild when we kind of knew it was going through. People were making plans to get to the stadium. Some of the lads got the flags out and took them to the ground. It's just an incredible thing to be part of because I've got a lot of very close mates in the flags group now who who I didn't know before the flags. I just you know I got to know them as I, as I went on, and some of them are now me you know what I consider me best mates, and t- some of them walked away when Rafa left. Some of them walked away before that. Um, they just felt like they had to. Um, I personally stayed, but to now have something where we could all come back and we could all, we could do the flags again, it was just it was just an incredible thing to be part of. Um, it was it, it was quite emotional. Um, I couldn't quite believe it that day with with, with the big river display against Tottenham. It, it genuinely felt like a just like a completely different place, didn't it? It, it didn't at times it didn't even feel like we were in. The, the St. James's Park that we'd been playing under Mike Ashley. It felt completely different. But the, the flags group is we're, we're delighted to be back and, and the response we, we we receive from fans is just absolutely incredible. Um we can't thank people enough. We we get so much support from fans and it's fans that, that fund it. It's fans that keep it going. Um there's no one else keeps it going other than fans and that's the best thing about it. It's fan funded. It's pure. It's got a lot of 
pride in, in, in buying the displays and we're just there to back the team. And Reddy Howe is praised. I know Amanda Stavely has been very impressed. And I spoke to Jamal Lasalle last week and he also sang, sang the praises of the group. You mentioned there, Sam, about the, the, the first game under the new ownership. What an atmosphere it was. But in the build-up to that, the new owners faced their first really big challenge and that was the future of Steve Bruce. We listened to the clip there from outside St. James's Park on the day the takeover was completed and you heard the fans say, the first thing I want done is to get Steve Bruce out of the club. We've said goodbye to Mike Ashley, now it's Steve Bruce's turn. And he was in charge for what was his thousandth game in management. Did they get that decision right? I mean, in hindsight, you know, they've got Eddie Howe and everything's worked out all right. But was the first game slightly tainted somewhat by the fact Steve Bruce was still in charge? Possibly a bit. It was a bit odd, wasn't it? Because everyone knew he was going to be sacked eventually, whether it was today, tomorrow, the next day. We, we, we all knew. Even Steve Bruce knew. He's, he's been around in the game long enough. When takeovers happen, it's not long that the managers stick around for. Um, it was a bit odd. The day itself will stay with me forever. That, uh, despite Who would have thought losing 3-2 would be up there with the day we beat Sunderland 5-1, for me personally. Because the atmosphere, I mean, I was in the Gallagate that day um, with, with the flags, big river, I, I just, I, the, the tear was shed. Um, that was before we'd even kicked a ball. And the noise when we went 1-0 up two minutes in was absolutely incredible. Incredible. Um, whether they got it right or not, it's almost kind of irrelevant now because the, the games that Graham Jones did eventually take charge of, nothing really changed. It, it was still pretty much Steve Bruce tactics and whatnot. So, all right, give him his, his, his 1,000th game. Who would have known that he would have got the West Brom job a few months after? Um, yeah, all the best to them. Um, it's kind of taken it out of the hands now because the Graham Jones effect didn't really happen. We didn't have that bounce of a caretaker manager. We didn't really have the new manager bounce. I don't think we've had a new manager bounce since Glenn Roder. So in that sense, it's, a, it's maybe a bit irrelevant, but at the same time, it was a bit odd that Steve Bruce was there. Yeah, the atmosphere you mentioned was unbelievable. Like you said, the return of the flags. We had Al Romani introduced to the crowd in the build-up to the kickoff. Sam mentioned there there were a few tears. I'll openly admit I shed a few. Emil, are you joining the party? I was actually um, probably just shedding a lot of sweat because I had to run from a train uh, as I just got back from a stag do. Um, and I had to, I'm not kidding, it was an awful, awful experience getting there. <laughs> Um, had to run from Central Station with a suitcase up towards the stadium where I was able to drop my bag somewhere and then in. I think I got in as Big River was coming to an end. Um, so, I, you know, it was just a mad flurry of events. I was feeling worse for wear. I was like, oh, what's going on? This is lovely. Uh, I didn't cry, no, but then I'm just cold-hearted and everything like that. Um, it takes a lot. takes a lot. Um, wait until we win something, maybe, uh, and I'm not running across town to get there. 
but yeah, it was it was different. It was exciting. I got there with my mate, and like you say, when that first goal went in, I mean, you know, you thought this is it. Um, just just to add, you know, like with the, with the Steve Bruce thing, I think there's a really good point that no manager coming in in that time would have really got much of a tune out of that team. I still think that the team was was very much um, degraded for, from, you know, and, and really regressed from, from where they were. So it was going to be a tough ask anyway. Um, plus, you know, what we know now, you, in hindsight, you look and think, well, so 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 be it. That's what had to happen. And it was a slow and measured process. They said they weren't going to rush in. But um, yeah, I mean... The day itself was was just brilliant. Um, there was a great mood. It did, I must say, it did turn after the game. The, the loss, um, you know, Shelby getting sent off and and obviously the the, the slight momentum that, that came out of the day after the unfortunate incident with the, the, the bloke who was at the game who, who thankfully was um, looked after. Um, that that all, all slowed the day down and um, then the, the book, you know, Fans were literally shouting at the owners, saying, "There's your problem. Get rid of it. Get rid of it right now." I certainly was. I didn't say it as nice as that at the time, but that was very much it. I think everyone was like, "Okay, we've got someone who's going to listen now. Let's send a message." And it was like, it was oh, horrible, horrible booing atmosphere. And that was the weird part. But I think in that there is something else being like. You know, everyone had power again. The fans had power to show their dismay, show their jubilation at the start, of course, but show their dismay towards a manager that we wanted gone and the feeling that we would actually be listened to for once. Whereas, you know, years upon years of of saying, not good enough, not good enough, get rid, change now, change it today before it's too late. Um, yeah, that, that that's it. I'm just so glad that the takeover happened when it did because we would have still had Steve Bruce if it had gone through, I don't know, this month or January, or whenever it might have happened, even if it hadn't happened, and and we would have been on our way down to the championship. Yeah, then that would have been a scary prospect. I've got a list of the, the things that they've done really well, the owners and communication is top of that list. Just before we get on to that list, Eddie Howe came in. I think many people were very happy with that appointment. It did look at one stage like they were going to get Unai Emery, the, the former Arsenal manager, the Villarreal manager. In many ways, the way... That happened the way, well, the way it didn't happen in the end was a mistake by the new owners, but they were learning, you know, they were they were new to this game. And I think what's really, what has been refreshing, in the interviews Amanda Stavely has done, she said something along the lines of, when we make mistakes, we will own up to them and learn from them. Whereas you felt, and Emil, you've just alluded that to it slightly, is that the, the previous regime never really wanted to admit their mistakes. If they did, there was never any learning from them. I mean, the, the two relegations suffered. When you strip everything back, they were sort of mirrored. You know, the, the, what went wrong, you could you could kind of take away the dates and, and you'd struggle to to pinpoint which season had happened in. Whereas this time, you know, they're, they're honest, but they are determined to learn from whatever does go wrong. And that's that's really refreshing. Yeah. And, and the thing is with that as well, it, it's a risk that they were going to take their time because things needed to happen. It, things were looking really desperate, really desperate. After that Wolves game, it was October, and we thought, right, the Derby's back next season. Sunderland are coming up. We're going down. It's all over. Everything's ruined. Get in the bin. And when then when they were going to take their time, okay, that that that's a, that's a good sound bite and try and do things properly. But things did need to be much more urgent. But 
they they have been fantastic since they came in. There's a great two-way co- uh, communication between them and the and the fans now. Um, the club's media department seems to have been liberated. There's they're putting out some great content, and now the the, the overall mood they're doing. They've had so many quick wins with Shearer's Bar and getting rid of that tacky um, marketing around the stadium. That that's all cleaning the windows I mean, as well. Cleaning exactly. the windows. Andrew the was there. Andrew was down there. I, 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 am gonna, I, I did put this in the story. I'm just gonna to repoint it out that it had been scheduled in, but I guess the fact that they, they still had to sign it off shows that they were determined to to make sure the stadium does look as good as it should. And they have done other things, haven't they? Where they've given the stadium the love and attention that we as Newcastle United fans have always wanted it to have. You know, they've replaced some flooring, they've put new TVs up, the little things as Sam mentions there. And we, we, you've listed them there, Sam. You know, they've been brilliant with communication. The content going out is brilliant. Uh, Shira's bar, the statue getting moved on to, to the club land. You've got them back in the Newcastle United Foundation, which, of course, the, the last regime did, but they've been involved there. The women's team getting to play at St. James Park. You know, uh, Amanda and me and dad going to games to watch the women's side. You've got Jimmy Rubin's support on the food bank. Out of the list of that, and I may have meant I may have missed something. What is the number one thing that stands out for you that they've done right, and you you know you applaud them for? It's pretty much all of those things that you've just mentioned. It's you know the relationship with the foundation, seeing finally the foundation's new facility being opened, which is just amazing. What they've done with Shiraz, you know, renaming it back to Shiraz, which it always was. Everyone knew it as that anyway. I never called it anything else to be honest. Um, the statue moving back into the grounds of St James's Park, um, just the the articles they've done with 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 journalists on the website, videos they've done. It's it, it, it's all just just a bit surreal. It's at some point we'll co- it'll co- it'll get to a stage where we sit back and take stock and, and we look on it and say, wow, this is like this is actually happening. Like you know, this I think at the moment we're still in a little bit of a whirlwind because. It's always been stressful since because we've still been in a relegation battle. The run we've went on, obviously, with to, to win some games and get away from it, it's just been incredible. Um, I think the one thing that really stands out, though, for me, it would be the transfer window. I think that's when I truly realised, wow, we've actually been taken over because they went out and just did business and they did business that they needed to do and, and just did it. There was no questions. You know, they, they just they did what they had to do and they did it within the confines of, of financial fair play and then what the club could afford to spend. What that means in the summer transfer window, I don't know. But that was that was truly the point when I realised that we've actually got people here who realise they, they need to make drastic changes to this team in order to keep them in the Premier League rather than just taking a risk and running that risk all the way to the very end of the season in the hope that we just stay up, which is what we had for pretty much 14 years, wasn't it? Um, we had a we had a we had a situation where they just wouldn't invest in the team, and that's that's what we want to see. We don't want to see the superstars if they come, fantastic. But we just want to see them investing money that we know is there, and putting it into the team and making it better than what it is, and and, and just improving it gradually. And and that's what they've done straight from the off at the first opportunity. Actually, getting recruitment right. I think I think it has to be. Um... Dare I say, bringing in Eddie Howe? Or are we looking at just little things here that are outside of it? I mean, I didn't even notice that the TVs have changed, for starters. I know Shearer's is a glaring obvious one, but for me, these are just obvious things. It wasn't really the stuff that anyone was like, oh, this must happen. Um, I guess just tidying it up. 
you know, for years we've said St. James's Park needs a clean, and I know that most stadiums are very hard to clean, but yeah, giving it that that spruce up and just being like, right, we're going to do it and actually following through with it. I think that, that that's the main thing. You know, if, if you say you're going to do something, like Mike Ashley saying, win a few cups and have a bit of fun, neither of those things happened. So at least they've got a to-do list which fans can see and, and say, well, well, they said they were going to do that and they did it. They said they were going to get a good manager in. So far, what we've seen, yeah, that's happened. We're going to get transfers in. Yeah, we've seen transformations in that. Stadium's going to get changed. Shearer's bar first. Okay, that's on there. Stay, the, the statue will be next, uh, most likely at the end of the season when there's a bit more room. But yeah, I, it's really hard to pinpoint one little thing. I think they just all come in together as just like the basics of running a football club to make us a bit more like uh, Leicester. Um it's what happens in the long term, which I'm most excited about. Excited about because, you know, I, I think that most fans are gonna, you know, be out in the streets when the training ground gets a, a redeveloped. Because that's just again back to my key word, desperate. It still looks desperate. It looks all right, but we want a training ground. I guess similar to it's. It's, it's no wonder when we have these breaks, they take us to another country to train because the facilities are just so bad to spend two weeks in. They can't have them there. So, um, yeah, they well, probably it was, doing went like to a... Steve Bruce, wasn't it? They went to York at a boarding school, wasn't it? <laughs> they did, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It's not facilities there. Well, exactly. Yeah, but it, it. it shouldn't be better than a Premier League football club, should no, it? it's true. Yeah, Rockcliffe Hall. The, the the days are, are long gone. But yeah, I mean, it's just oh, that 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 noise that I'm making there. Just the relief that you know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm not even bothered about winning a cup next season or the one after that. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to challenge. I'm not ready for that stress yet. I'm not. My liver's certainly not ready for any of that stress and 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 success. But um, just just bring it on, man. All of these small things and big things that make supporting football such a great thing. For you, Sam, does anything stand out off the field to do with the football, whatever? What what is the what what stands out for you? Look, all the above. There's no one thing. It's um relationships being repaired with your likes of Alan Shearer and then you get your ex pros coming back, Warren Barton, who I've said before, you know I myself not being from Newcastle, Warren you've got the likes of ex players Warren Barton, Rob Lee, they're not from Newcastle, but they get it. They get it. They get what it what it is and what it's what it's supposed to be about. And and seeing Warren Barton back there, amazing, brilliant. All the other ex pros that have been there that have been welcomed back with open arms, which didn't happen under Mike Ashley. It was turned away with scorn. Speaking to Nobby Solano um, before the takeover went through, he said he was treated by Derek Lambias like he played for Sunderland for ten years. It's Nobby Solano. That's disgusting. So relationships being repaired. And look, I'm a massive, massive fan of the women's team. Um, we've got a great relationship with the women's side. And to see them do well and to get a bit of back in after how hard they've worked with no resources whatsoever is is brilliant. And I look forward to their future as well. But Kieran Trippier, how's that for a first signing, honestly? Because other, other fans from other clubs would be looking at him going, what is he doing? What is he doing? He's going from Atletico Madrid working with Simeone to go into 19th in the Premier League when he just he could have gone to Man United in the previous transfer window. Wow, what a player he's been on and off the pitch. 
Yeah, I was going to point out, by the way, Solano did play for Villa. So, in a way, it's, it's kind of Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. My, my <laughs> wife's a, an Aston Villa fan. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I can't stand Aston Villa. But, yeah, it, it was only for a year. He soon saw the light, didn't he? How important are those little things? Because to people listening to this, they might think, well, right, they've moved a statue or, or they're planning to move a statue or they've renamed a bar. What's, what's the big deal? It's just it's it's sentiment. It's the sentiment, isn't it? You know, we we have we have a, a very very passionate fan base who do care about the little things, who do care about where Shira's statue is, you know, and, and who do care what what Shira's bar was renamed to. Um, we do care about those things as a fan base, so they are really really important. The communication is is massive. Just speaking to fans, making them feel wanted at their football club again, where they they'll actually take into account their concerns. And and look to deal with them and look to correct them if there's anything that needs correcting or or at least just have the conversation with fans again about the direction of the football club and keep them involved. It's not those little things. It just makes people feel fully invested in the football club again and feel like they're wanted when they walk through the gates because for so long we weren't. You mentioned there the transfer window and I, for me one of the things that stands out is that Eddie Howe clearly had a list of positions he wanted to improve it's no secret that Steve Bruce wanted a centre back, you know, for, for the for the large part of the time he was he was there. He also wanted a midfielder, and he didn't get it. You know, he, he got he got Callum Wilson, but he didn't get exactly what he wanted. Now, would that have changed the the outcome of how it ended? Arguably not. But the fact is, is that Steve Bruce did want to improve the positions in which Eddie Howe was come in and said we need improvement there. And the refreshing thing is the owners have gone, all right, we're going to trust the manager. We're going to listen to him. They've got the recruitment team. They've got Dan Burning. They've got you know Bruno Gomeresh. And they've got that left back in which Newcastle have been needing for goodness knows how long. And it, it, it's just refreshing to have an ownership who, who trusts the manager and has listened to the manager who works on the training pitch day in, day out. And you know he's the first person no one I should go to to say what do you want what do you need they've listened and by goodness me so far they've been they've been successful yeah absolutely absolutely and you know I dare say you can have a little bit of sympathy with Bruce I won't give him too much but um you can have a little bit of sympathy with Bruce in in, in the he did want those things I think he was never going to be given the opportunity because he never had a relationship with the fans that was like from day one. That was it. Was just it wasn't possible for him to be given that opportunity to go into a transfer window and do that. I think the club did the right thing, getting rid as soon as they possibly could. Um, but you're totally right in what you're saying with with Eddie Howe. That you know he's he he. I was so impressed with Eddie Howe when he first came in because he said he went away. He never just stopped. He never took time off. He went away and he he, he bettered himself as a manager. And that that is what fans want to hear. You see the first videos that come out, he's right involved with training, he's right in the middle, he's got his whistle, just little things like that again, you know, that, that, that people want to see their manager come like fully invested in the team and trying to make it better. And and I think by giving him that that trust and, and listening to him and saying, What do you need to make this team better? and then going out and do it is um it's just what we haven't been used to, um, but it's a mark of a good ownership that really cares about taking this football team forward. And just in the short term, just making sure we got safe, um, which hopefully we will be. Yeah, exactly. Um, Emil, you mentioned there the transfer window. Yeah. What I think impressed most people is that was done largely, well, it was done without a director of football. It was done, 
yes, uh, the, the chap from Celtic came in for a little bit, but it was largely led by you know the, the board that are there now at Newcastle. No disrespect, inexperienced in that field, and yet they did sign you know five and some very good players. We mentioned Trippier with Dan Burns, another one, Bruno Gomeresh, described as one of the best midfielders in Europe, amongst you know other players they signed. It, it was a really good window, and it it gives you hope for what's to come in the summer when you actually have an experienced person in charge who knows about transfers and the way the game works. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's testament to those who were involved. I know Howell was obviously very involved in, in that, and it makes you think that, you know, he's probably the most trusted mind on that team at the time, along with... Uh, the guy from Celtic was it Haywood or something his name Hammond. was but Hammond sorry it was um bring him back get him back in he's doing a great job um but yeah it was it was very much like oh god they're gonna they're gonna really get this wrong and as each week went past as is the patience of Newcastle fans so eroded over the years every day that something didn't happen you're like oh god here we go even though Trippier came in on the first day even though you know we had someone sorted when we said we need a striker in comes Chris Wood immediately um it didn't feel reactionary though even with that um even on the final day you felt as though okay maybe we needed a striker but every other team was just gonna take the mick uh effectively with with what was in place with the the team that were dealing with it and what the team's knew okay a lot of stuff got out we don't know whether it was leaks whether it was mistakes or 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 whatever but Newcastle were always going to be there like like sitting ducks in a way because we were so desperate we have money what are people going to do to um to get that money from us uh everything um so yeah I mean looking back again mentioning the hindsight of Steve Bruce still being there in hindsight, did we think these these new players were going to be enough? Um, well, we, we didn't even need half of them, and we saw a transformation uh, in that Leeds game when it was when it was Trippier uh, playing. Um, I'm not, I don't think was Chris Wood in at that point. I think he was just after that point. But yeah, players players coming in, Trippier transforming the the dressing room. Um, at time of recording, he's just so immersed into this club within uh, you know three month periods. Um, that he already knows how to rattle a Sunderland fan. I just, it's, it's magnificent. It's, it's just like, it's what, what, a, what a player to bring in and be like, yeah, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to just tick every box because I'm a Newcastle fan now. That's exactly what it should be. Ingraining yourself into it. Dan Byrne is a Newcastle lad. Uh, he, he, he knows all about it. Matt Target um, loves Geordie Shaw. It, you know, they're all adapting to the way of life. Uh, I'm not sure. Chris Woods, you know, from New Zealand, sounds a bit like Newcastle. They got the flair, the scar for him, and everything. Touch wood. Touch Touch wood as well. He's he's absolute, you know, banter merchant, you might say. But um, yeah, it's um I yeah, I absolutely love them and um I love how quickly they settled, how quickly they've been adopted into the setup, um, and how much they get it. Um, you know, Bruno as well is is very much um a real talent. And I think that when you look at Bruno, you get a glimpse of what is still to come. You know, we, you know, we've had the unglamorous signings of of, of the others. Uh, no offense to them, and you know, they've they've impressed in due course. But Bruno is the type of player that we will be signing every window now. You know, there'll, there'll be another Bruno in in the summer, if not five Brunos. Um, it's a lot of Brunos, but I'll you know I'll have them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just. It was so strange, and you know, me, me and Sam talking about it when we we did our interviews as well. It was very hard 
to not get excited at any mention because it was like, oh, there's this player as well. I'm like, all right, I'll have him. He's like, have you, have you seen him play much? I'm like, no, but it sounds good. Yeah, let's have him. Let's get him in as well. Anything's better than, you know, the aforementioned Jeff Hendrick or, uh, or many others who are, are still at the club. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, really, really pleased with that. And although it, I think it's just a lesson to not set your expectations too high because you never know what, what gems you might find. Out of the flag displays that you've been involved in since the takeover, and I'm I'm not going to let you pick the Big River one because I think you probably would have picked this one. So the Big River one aside, because that was kind of a, another level, which one have you enjoyed the most? For, um, wow. I'll go with the Everton display. We, we did two stands and it was the first time we'd done two stands that night was just incredible it set the tone for what was turned out to be an incredible game and an incredible atmosphere where we had the big surfer in the Gallagher end we had the, all the flags on the Leasers end we planted a dinosaur behind the goal <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it was just it was just great to see great to see the reaction of the Leasers end they were chuffed to get involved um I'd, I'd say a close second would be would be um what well, the last home game against brighton um where we we did the file displays um which took ages that is real backbreaking work that i promise you it's not fun um putting a, an individual bit of foil on each seat it's uh, on twenty thousand seats is not fun um so that that was that was a great one as well, you know, spelling out how we the lads in the in the leases, um, which looked okay, and then the NUFC and the Gallagher, which looked class, and then also the East Stand. The East Stand takes a little bit of flack; they they get a little bit of stick for the atmosphere, um, but they responded just unbelievably. Like we were talking to some people in the in the East Stand whilst we were there, and they were just like absolutely chuffed. They they loved our displays, you know, people getting involved, people of all ages just getting involved. So that that would probably be a close second, but I'll always remember that that Everton game just for just for beating them and you know the the atmosphere sort of felt like a massive turning point. Where especially when Trippier scored that free kick. In in the past, we go on to draw that game two two, but we went on to win it three one, which just it, it just felt like we turned the corner. So that night, I think that for me is the real turning point this season. I think that sent us on the on the run that we went on. Yeah, that was that was a great night. I think. For me, probably the best display under Eddie Howe so far. Hopefully, much more of that to come. Just give me your rating out of 10 then for how you think the new owners have done since they bought the club. Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. Um it's 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 upwards of a of a nine and ten for me, because it because it it wasn't hard to beat what they were up against before. Um really intrigued to see how we go forward with structured dialogue processes and all this sort of stuff, you know, making sure fan engagement and, and we have a, a great process and, you know, sort of set up at the football club that, that for me, I think is, is, is crucial to keep the fans, to keep the fans invested for in the long term. Um, so it'd be good to see that um, eventually put into place once, once obviously the, the more crucial appointments have been made. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely up there. So just yeah, thoroughly impressed so far, and I just can't wait for for what else is to come. I think we'll go for a, a nice eight because th- there have been moments where we've thought, oh god, 
like oh well yeah um and look every every football season is full of moments i don't think you'll ever find a, a 10 out of 10 season unless we win win the league unbeaten next year uh which of course is going to happen so yeah i think a, a safe eight is there because whilst we you know believe in the system whilst we trust uh what they've they've got in place there is a little bit of naivety there and and that's expected with people who are coming in but um if this is the start then I, I can only hope that uh, we will be pushing towards the, the 10 um, by the time we get into the next couple of seasons. It's it's just, it's great to be part of. It's a great time to be a Newcastle fan and um, it's it's great to be covering it. What a, what a great time for, for us to be all doing the, the same thing that we love, but actually talking about something positive for once. It's about time. Eight or nine as well. Do you, do you know, do I, maybe I'm just easily pleased. But it's, it's easy to be though after the 14 years Newcastle had under Mike Ashley, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what what more realistically could they do, uh, have done when okay, you're in the January window, you were 19th in the league. It's a big, big risk for 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 players, and I respect the fact that they weren't going to be taken advantage of in the transfer window. They could have they could have really got taken advantage of in their pursuit of Botman and Diego Carlos in particular. Um, but to land two talents in like Trippier and, and Bruno, who is just pure silk, that, that, that's credit. That's big credit to him. And, and as I say, repairing relationships, acknowledging the women's side, which might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I want to see them prosper and do, do really well and eventually get into the WSL one day too. Um, to have the ambition, whilst they may be novices in, in running a football club, uh, Amanda and Murdad, they're football people, first and foremost. They, they know what it means. And, yeah, I, I can't really fault them. I know the Emery pursuit was a bit of a sticky situation, but it made me feel clever for five minutes because I said I wanted Emery two weeks before he was he was linked. So I had my five minutes there of smugness. But, look... It, it, it's it's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything because it's it's just been it's been a joy to 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 support Newcastle again. Just talk to us about the future of Newcastle United. What are you most looking forward to? A boring mid-table season where we're not at threat of going down, but we win a few games and we can just relax a little bit more, and that we're not looking over our shoulder. That's what I'm looking forward to in the short and medium term. Um, and maybe maybe a cup run that takes us to Wembley for a semi final. Not have to be worrying about relegation. You remember? You remember ten, fifteen years ago when you'd look forward to a season, you'd look up the table, you'd look, you'd look forward to making competitive signings, not scrap around the bargain basement. Just going back to to where we were, like early two thousands. Even that, like we don't expect the world. That's an urban myth, but. Look, I would love to see European nights back at St James's Park. There's nothing like it. Um, real special atmosphere, atmosphere, special nights, um, challenging, being competitive. That 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 that's all we ask. Look, to win a trophy one day is is an absolute dream. Always will be. Can we get to that? Who knows? It depends on so um, so many so many variables. <sighs> But yeah, we can dream again. That that that's that, that's the thing. You want to be able to dream. I've got a five-year-old uh, son. I want to take him to see a competitive team that, that he can dream about about winning things, not about what it was under Mike Ashley when you're just scraping around to survive. That 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 wasn't really interesting. You do it just for the love. 
but yeah, it, it's exciting again. It, it's it's something to to really get a spring in your step about. And if obviously the job's not done yet, but it's looking like when we're almost at safety, and it's going to be one hell of an interesting summer. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode. Looking back on six months since Newcastle United was taking over, thank you very much to our guests, Emil Franchi from True Faith, Sam Mulner from Newcastle Fans TV, and Thomas Concannon from War Flags and the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider, whether that be Global Player, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us through totally free to do just means with every new episode you will get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for loads more content marking the six month anniversary of the newcastle united takeover